Welcome to Deuterocanons. Welcome to Deuter Cannons. I'm Byron, and with me, as always, is Justin. Party on, Justin. Party on, Byron. All right, and we are on the clock here. I, I got to tell you, I like the background, though. This is <laughs> this is very uh, I don't know podcasty looking. Is that your office or your classroom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is my classroom. So you see tables, oh, chairs, couches. I've got a pronghorn over there on the wall. More books over there. A bust of William Shakespeare. Portrait of Wendell Berry. A uh, bunch of art right. over there on the wall, college pennants, me when I was a baseball player, you know. Nice. And of course, and possibly most importantly, Deuterocanon swag. There you go. All right, so this is apparently episode 48. Is that actual 48 or is that like, you know, overall 48, po- Apple Podcast 48? Okay, it's, it's Apple Podcast 48, which would mean... <clears throat> It's uh, 48 plus 13, so it's technically 61. Okay. Because <laughs> on our podcast, know. we start on episode 14. Okay, cool. So that was smart of you, right. how you numbered it. <laughs> right. Uh, and so here we are uh, doing this remotely. This will be for a couple more weeks, and then we'll be uh, doing it in person again. But uh, we're still working our way, finishing up our series on the fruit of the spirit. And we are on the last one, self-control. So once again, how this got started, doing a series with the kids downstairs, because the kids are always downstairs on public speaking. And I use this table in my Bible, the Zondervan NIV, uh, as a a framework for teaching them to give a public talk, if you will. And so what it was is we assigned each one of them an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. And then in the table, it's broken up by the aspect, the definition, that aspect as an attribute of God. And then that aspect is an attribute of Christians listing several verses. And we are on the last one, self-control. Now, Justin, I don't know if you remember that we had a little bit of a conversation after, uh, I don't know, I think it was like faithfulness, because that's probably the last one we did in person about self-control. But I I would kind of like to see if we can maybe reproduce some of that conversation, because in this Zondervan NIV, For self-control, there are no verses listed for it as an attribute of God. You know what? Let's let that, let's, uh, let's put a pin in that, as they say, though, because we need, we need to discuss, we need to discuss the definition first. Okay. Right. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Self-control definition, according to Zondervan, victory over sinful desires. What victory say ye? over victory over sinful desires? Um, hmm. I think that maybe that's a little bit like overly, overly theological in, in its nature. But if that's the definition that they're going with, I can definitely see why they would they would not list anything for God. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I would think that self control is simply controlling the self like recognizing that there might be a distinction between all of the things that i have the ability to do as opposed to those things which i ought to do right 
Um, I don't know. What, what, what do you think? I, I'm going to look it up real quick in Edom Online. Although I don't know, is that going to be listed as one word? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, have that, it. Okay. All right. So it says restraint of one's desires. Coined by English moral philosopher Anthony Ashley Cooper. Now I got a big ad for yoga in the way. Related self control. Right, self controlled, self controlling. He also used self command. That equanimity, which enables one in any situation to be reasonable and prudent. Oh, prudent. That pertains to wisdom. Dear prudence. What do you Beatles think of that? About it. What do you think about the app? How would prudence? Uh, I mean, certainly wisdom is part of self-control, right? Because it's probably choosing to do not so much, not just not choosing to do one thing, but maybe choosing to do other things instead and <clears throat> in doing so choosing wise things to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's actually something that I got into with uh, with with Ryan Bailey the other night on on an episode that's currently in post-production it, it was a lot of material so i'm having to, to sift through um mm -hmm. to uh yeah you know cut stuff at the beginning maybe cut some stuff at the end anyhow but we we were talking about wisdom and and how the etymology of that word has to do with like the capacity to see rightly mm -hmm. and we got the, mm. the wis root there which whiz, it, whiz is, uh, you know, viz and vid, it's, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so a person has wisdom to the extent that the person sees that which is. And if we think about mm -hmm. that in a, uh, I don't know, in a, in a moral ethical sense, it's not simply seeing things as they are, but recognizing based on that vision, how to, how to interact what I ought to do because of what is. Okay. So yeah, prudence, so, yeah. prudence when wisdom go along with self-control. It's it's hard. I I can't imagine anybody having wisdom without having self-control, unless maybe that person's name is Solomon. But yeah. I think that if you read yeah. Ecclesiastes, you see that he re he recognizes that not everything that he did was actually wise. Mm hmm. Hmm. Um. Okay, I got two other thoughts that I was thinking, I guess just maybe in the lead up to, to doing this uh, episode. Yeah. So the first thing is this is, again, we are currently here with the guys I've been doing the study with working our way through the fruit of the spirit. We just did forbearance or patience. And I think we could see where patience or forbearance go hand, goes hand in hand with self self-control. Because like, I guess what I think of is, uh, you know, the example I used the other night when we were talking is like teaching someone to drive a stick, uh -huh. you know, it requires patience. And I guess what it, it requires self-control in that, like, I have to resist the urge to just do it myself. And so I think there's a little bit where, I mean, we've talked about this before where uh, there's so much overlap with these, but I think it's, it's, I like the analogy you, you used. It's like, or maybe it was like Winston or Todd, but again, when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, it's like, talking about cake and then talking about the individual ingredients, but obviously they, they okay. mix together to make the one, right? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking though, is in terms of self-control, particularly this idea of victory over sinful desires, what do we think about that 
uh, given the preceding passages where we're talking about, and this is in Galatians, uh, living by the spirit versus the flesh. Okay, so I, I think, and this is this is also something that uh, Bailey and I were were talking about. So to talk about the flesh, um, so like the flesh is like you know the heart, the belly, the sinful desire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it, it's it's drawing a distinction between the things that your body just naturally wants, without mm-hmm. any concern with or without any thought about what we should do or what we ought to do. Um, mm-hmm. So we got the belly, we've got the, the, the intellect, the, the mind, the head, but then we, we should have in the middle uh, the, the chest because the, the mind is focused on how to give the belly what it wants. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's in our chest or, you know, and I would say that's, that's the part that would be indwelled by the Holy Spirit who asks the question, well, you know, should I, should I, or should I? C.S. C.S. Lewis would also say that, right? C.S. Lewis would also say that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which abolition of man, you know, first essay, men without chest. That's exactly what he's, what he's talking mm-hmm. about. I think I have a picture of C.S. Lewis in here somewhere. Yeah, Missy has a picture that she painted for me of C.S. Lewis smoking a pipe. So I haven't gotten in trouble for that at school yet. But I, I will say that that my classroom is rated PG for occasional cartoon references to tobacco. I, I didn't think that would be an issue, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the the uh, the, the fleshly the fleshly de- de- desires. Um, yeah. So we have self control when, like David, you know, David said in the Psalms, uh, "Bless the Lord, O my soul." You know, like the, 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 there was that 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 part of David where where he was like instructing the rest of himself, how he ought to respond to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so that, that really is the opposite of the, the flesh. That's, that's uh, wisdom that comes from above, like the New Testament says. Uh, it teaches us to say no to, uh, uh, what is it, ungodliness and worldly desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's a, a pretty close paraphrase of Paul. I think that's Paul. It's probably Paul. Well, you know, and I, I guess I was thinking about, you know, the whole, because again, we, way back when we talked freedom in the flesh, that was the episode where we talked about drinking soda and, you know, uh, the Ron Swanson quote, right? Um, but in that conversation, we discussed kind of like the flesh and what we're really referring to there and how, you know, a lot of the, uh, I guess we'll say, uh, well, their fleshly desires aren't aren't in and of themselves sinful, right? right. It's yeah. maybe in in the extremes that they become sinful. Um, and so, I want to say there's a note in my Bible somewhere for one mm-hmm. of the verses, but the, the wording was something like victory over sinful desires. And so, yeah. again, I, I I think it's really kind of this element of like denying oneself. Even and, and maybe even sometimes when it's not not necessarily sinful, like it's like I'm hungry right now, but there's this other thing that I must do, and so I'm going to do that rather than eat right now. You know, sure. So I guess maybe, maybe that's where I almost take issue with uh, with this because it could just be victory over desires, not necessarily sinful desires. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And so Jesus talks about that 
in uh, I think it's in the Sermon on the Mount when when he says, you know, like don't don't worry about tomorrow, like what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Like the Lord knows that you need these things, and that's when he talks about you know, uh, like the, the uh, is that when right. he talks about the, the the sparrow, you know, and yep, and they like they have everything they need. God takes care of them, but you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So basic necessities. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, of course. Like, I think that just goes, uh, goes to your point that self-control is not just about avoiding things that are always and everywhere sinful, but keeping fleshly desires in their proper place. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I think we're, we're good. Th- we're good there then. Yeah. A little bit of, of that, a little bit of wisdom, prudent choices. So let's move on to this. So again, in the column for attribute of God, I've got a big blank. There's no verses listed here. Now, again, in an effort to recreate a conversation before, <laughs> what I posited to you was that perhaps there are no... Um, there's no scriptures listed for self-control as an attribute of God because God doesn't have to have self-control. We have to have self-control because by having self-control, what we're doing is we are acting like God. God doesn't need to be reminded to act like God because he is God. Do you remember how you responded to that? Uh, yeah, basically. So so tell me if this is, is close. Did I mention something about God... God's forgiveness of us, or did I, or did I go in the direction of, um, I think you did. Yeah. Okay. All right. So God, if God really is omnipotent, he really does have all power and all knowing and all of those things that we know that he has. Well, he, he doesn't equally exhibit all of those things at exactly the same time, in exactly the same way, to the exact same extent. And I think that Mm -hmm. forgiveness of sins is an example of God in relation to us, in his relationship to us, he has chosen to limit himself. Because, like, on the one hand, we know that he's he's omniscient, he does know all things, and yet, when he forgives us, he separates our sins as far as the east from the west. And so that, Mm -hmm. that is a limiting. Like, he's... He's choosing to, to control his, uh, yeah, that, that, that ability of his to remember everything. And some people would say that that diminishes the glory of God or it makes light of the omniscience of God. But I, I think that the opposite is true because, I mean, but like Byron, like you've forgiven people. Mm-hmm. Probably. I have. You seem like a forgiving I mean, I've I try to be. And even if I don't feel like forgiving, I'll at least try to behave as though I have forgiven someone. Okay, but can you make yourself forget? I can't. Right. I mean, and it might it might come to a point that you are so forgiving that that there that there are things that you've forgiven people of that, that you really don't remember. Mm-hmm. But that that's really something that happens over time rather than as a direct act of your will. Mm-hmm. But but God is so powerful that He's actually able to forget. You know, blessed is the man 
whose sins God remembers no more. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important to take that uh, really seriously. Um, God mm-hmm. also demonstrates, I mean, like, can, can you think of, of any time in the Old Testament, for example, when God was going to bring judgment on a particular person or group of people, and then he didn't? Yeah, uh, funny you should mention that. I'm actually turned over to Genesis 19 right now. Is that what okay. you're thinking about? <laughs> well, that, that's one of them. Is that maybe mm-hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah? That is. Okay, so, yeah, p- pick up from there. Um, I mean, I guess, let's see here. Let, let me see if I can find uh, the passages where we have this kind of back and forth, right? Uh, um, goodness, I should have looked this up beforehand, right? Yeah, and so, so while you're turning, I guess I'll just point out that uh, at that Abraham first learns about what's going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah after he's visited by those, by those three men. And it seems like, like one of those three men, you know, it's, it's angels on the one hand, but one of them seems like it's, it's likely a pre pre-incarnate Christ because Abraham bows down to him after, uh, after taking of, of bread and wine. And unlike all of the uh, other examples, similar examples in the Bible, the the uh, the man doesn't tell Abraham to get up after Abraham bows down. So that's one of the things that people point to as being likely evidence that that particular individual is the Son of God, who who had appeared to Abraham. And then after that, of course, uh, the, like the the Lord says, okay, like how how are we going to withhold our mind from from Abraham? Like we've got to tell him about what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. so maybe you can pick up there. Um, I'm sorry. I'm talking about Abraham pleads for Sodom. Is that what you're saying? I yeah. got a little immersed. Yeah. Sorry. I was, okay. uh, I was just given the, the context of that. The, the, uh, yeah. The stuff that yeah, happened so right before back up, back up to 1820. It says, then the Lord said the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great for their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is a, as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Um, and so I'm going to fast forward here to what Abraham says, says, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And so again, I guess Moses came, or Moses, Abraham continues to talk him down, right? And so we get down to, let's see, 10. May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. Of course, the next section is called Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. (laughs) But I, I think like, to your point, uh, we see God d- demonstrating restraint, which I think is probably, which, you know, I think we didn't do that. We've, we've done that in the past, listed some some uh, synonyms and antonyms. I think restraint would be uh, appropriate in terms of a, 
a synonym for self-control. Right. So, I mean, but both of your boys play ball and I'm guessing that you're still better at baseball and basketball and football than, than either, either your boys. For now. Yeah. For now. I mean, so if, if you were, you know, playing baseball in the backyard and you were throwing as hard as you could, that, I mean, that, that would be a lack of restraint restraint. And maybe, maybe as long as you're not like, I don't know, intentionally targeting their heads with your fastest fastball, you know, it's not overtly sinful, Mm -hmm. but if you were to throw as fast as you possibly could every single time to, to, to Emmett, Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't have a, a beneficial effect on your relationship. Like you'd be within yeah. your rights and you wouldn't be sinning. I mean, it's your house, mm-hmm. your ball, your, your yard, your son. And yeah. So, so it, like in a way, like short of direct sin or, you know, abuse, you can, you can do what you please, but your righteousness mm-hmm. is shown in and the relationship is grown in that you adapt your strength to his need. Mm-hmm. And so the, of well, course and, that, and, that, that's control. It's, it's right. So- and I, I think, I think part of the conversation that we had, and this is where I, I think I had questions is that, and I think we kind of touched on it earlier when we discussed the definition, why, which is why that's important because mm-hmm. what did we say? We said, uh, it's not just resisting sinful desires. It's just resisting desires. So, you know, again, choosing not to eat because you're hungry, like it's okay to eat if you're hungry, but it's better if, if there's something that's more important that needs to be done, it's better to do that thing than to eat. And so I think what we were discussing was like, uh, whatever God chose to do when it came to Sodom and Gomorrah would have been the right thing. Yeah. I think what we discussed. And so uh, I I think it's one of these things where if he had decided to smite the entire both towns immediately, that would have been righteous. But I think also demonstrating restraint was also righteous. Mm -hmm. Does that that work? Yeah. And and even though he didn't find, you know, the 10 like like Abraham prayed for. He still mm-hmm. provided a means of escape for Lot and his family. Mm-hmm. So he, I mean, he did completely destroy both cities. And yet he also yeah. did not uh, sweep away the, the righteous with the unrighteous. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess, right, like, how rightly can you say that Lot and his family were righteous? I mean, well, they live. Yeah, in, yeah. They live in Sodom. Right, but it, the scriptures do say, and this might come up in the New Testament, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe in Hebrews, but maybe, maybe in Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't remember which one. Maybe it's Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin. Somebody can check me on that and drop a comment because like, share, subscribe, comment, tell a friend. <laughs> Whoops. Remember, it refers, it says that Lot, like righteous Lot, like his conscience was tormented by the wickedness of Sodom. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that that's what's righteous about him. Like like he was right there in the thick of it, so to speak, but he didn't Mm -hmm. like it. 
he didn't participate in it. And he, I mean, he tried to protect the, uh, the, the men who came into the, into the city when the, mm-hmm. w- when the citizens wanted to, you know, gang rape them. Yeah. So like, I don't know about, I can't say much for Lot's wife and his daughters, but if, if Lot's wife and his daughters weren't righteous, which, you know, Lot's wife turned to a pillar of salt, his daughters, you know, we know what they did a couple chapters mm-hmm. later when they were all worried about not being able to uh, produce heirs. Yeah. It, it highlights God's mercy even more so. You know, if, if they weren't righteous, as their deeds sort of ind- indicate, and yet because of Lot's righteousness, he, God gave them ample opportunity to, to be saved. Yeah. All right. Um, so I guess maybe if we can kind of tie a bow on self-control as an attribute of God, according to Byron and Justin, we're saying that certainly God, self-control is an attribute of God because God has demonstrated restraint. Yes. And frankly, continue to by allowing us to exist. Right. Right. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still mm. sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that that verse speaks to, to, to all that. All right. So moving on with whatever little time we have left, let's get to uh, attribute of cr- Christians. So first verse I have here is Proverbs 1632. All right. Proverbs 16:32. I think you're going to beat me this time. And I'm there. Are you there? Almost. Go for it. All right. It says, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Hmm. It's very proverby. Yeah, here, uh, let me read it in in the version I'm reading, which is New King James. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Mm. So we do know that the Lord is slow to anger, and so if slow to anger is an attribute of the one who has self-control, well, it is an attribute of God. Yeah. I know that we've sort of shifted away from that, but... Right. No, that's great. Right. Right. Slow to anger. Uh, I got some notes here. It says uh, wisdom. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Ecclesiastes 9.18. One with self-control than one who takes a city. Although those who practice patience and self-control receive far less attention and acclaim than a warrior who takes a city, they accomplish better things. Well, I would imagine that you've seen one or two examples of people with weapons of war who don't demonstrate the qualities of self-control that would actually lead them to using them righteously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think that's a lot of what, when we talk about, when we talk, when we talk about like the laws of armed conflict and, and things like that, like, which, right. Like, I think that's probably hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around, but the idea of waging war ethically, in fact, I was reading about that the other night and I was reading, our, our leadership manual, it talks about the army ethic, you know, and so it's the idea of 
uh, understand that you're in a profession where you could lose your life and be called to take life justly. Mm -hmm. And so I think in, in doing that, right, like you have to demonstrate self-control because that means that means that you might have to, you know, uh, hold your fire until the situation is appropriate. You know, I mean, that's what like rules of engagement and things are. They're, they're self-control measures, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, should we keep moving on? Because yeah, we what's, what's are the next one? Next one is Titus 1.8. In fact, oh, the man. next two come from Titus. It's so Titus 1.8. Yep, Titus 1.8 and then Titus 2.12. You want to grab the 1.8? I'll grab the 2.12. Yeah, yeah, Titus. Which is you're so easy to miss, Titus. Yes, it is. Titus 1.8 and then Titus 2.12. Okay. <clears throat> Titus 1.8. Uh, okay, that's yeah. the middle of a sentence, so I'm going to have to back up to 7. Yep. For Actually, this is a, a, I guess just let's point out, this is appointing elders who love what is good. So this is like right. talking about elders, right? For an overseer must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got an interesting note here. It says self-controlled, a virtue much needed in Crete. Uh, Paul refers to it five times in two chapters, which is interesting because we're going about to talk about it in chapter two. Discipline, possessing the inner strength to control one's desires and actions. Which again, I would say discipline and self-control kind of go hand in hand. And I'd really hate to not say some of the stuff I want to say about it because I'm reading a book on leadership right now. But I think discipline is an interesting thing, right? Because, you know, we tend to think of it as punishment, right? Like being yeah. disciplined when in reality, you, you know, have like intrinsic and extrinsic discipline. Sure. Intrinsic, extra, extrinsic discipline would be like, you know, somebody uh, forcing you to behave a certain way or influencing you to behave a certain way as opposed to intrinsic discipline. That's self-control. That's what that is. And when we when we are around self-controlled people, it enables us to do other things because we aren't having to look inward and worry about like maintaining good order and discipline, you know, with the army specifically, like within our ranks. We don't have to focus inward. We can think strategically because we are self-controlled and we're surrounded by people who are self-controlled or intrinsically disciplined. Um, what do you think about this, though, what it says about Crete? Because I know there's been passages before about Cretans and things like that. Yeah, well, you know, Cretan is a, uh, it's a word. I mean, it's still, it's still an insult to this day. I mean, to call somebody a yeah. Cretan, you know, the person is uh, morally, morally bankrupt. Mm. And so if that's the situation that, uh, that Titus, Titus was in there on mm. Crete. I mean, shoot, he, he was he was in a bad situation. I mean, he, he was among people who probably I mean, who clearly didn't have, you know, like, I don't know, much cultural 
I don't know, not much to draw from culturally necessarily when it comes to, uh, well, self-control, recognizing that there's a difference between what I can do and what I should do. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he, he would have to, he would definitely need help from qualified elders, you know, the, the few people who might actually have some idea that like hospitality and like being hospitable, loving good things, being holy. Yeah. So he, he would have needed help from every single person of that description to have any kind of impact in a place like that to begin with. Yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead and read 212 real quick because like, yeah. like it says, it's all referring to the same stuff. Uh, and I'll back up a little bit. Um, this, pe- this section is about doing good for the sake of the gospel. Um, it's a similar passage that we've read before and about teaching the older men. In fact, this is the, the passage section of passage I used when we talked about leadership, you know, teach the young men to be self-controlled and to lead, in a, uh, lead by example. Right. In fact, it says this for just about everyone. Likewise, teach the older women to do a bunch of stuff, to be self-controlled. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. Uh, so that's a constant theme here. So then we get to what did I say, 12 it says, it, uh, I'm going to back up to 11. For the grace of God has appeared, to, has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live lives self-controlled, upright, to live Sorry, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purity for himself, a people that that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Um, so I, I think it's probably a continuation of, of, the, of what we just talked about, because, again, it, it certainly is a theme throughout this passage, this idea of being self-controlled. And it seems to maybe be kind of unique to the Cretan culture. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And so on the one hand, you have, you know, the, the elders that Titus needs to, to spread that idea that this is how God wants people to live. But then clearly, like, that, that's the way that God, yeah, that God, God wants everybody uh, to live mm-hmm. that way. And so I, uh, while you were turning or l- looking over there, I looked up uh, discipline and uh, and so disciple. It comes from disciple, of course, and yeah. uh, and disciple means uh, comes from a word that means to learn, which you know that, that's mm. that's not really that much of a surprise, but to but a person who is disciplined has learned a particular i don't know particular uh, applications of self-control you might say yeah and disciplining somebody else means like trying to teach so like discipline yeah. isn't punishment i, I don't mean that, that punishment can't be involved but like like they're, they're not they're not synonyms like discipline yeah. is teaching and so, well, so and i'll tell you what I, oh, go ahead I, i'm gonna say i'm looking at the clock we got three 50 left and i i really feel like we're kind of getting into some stuff that would be worthwhile so i've got two passages left do we want to try and do a part two yes okay cool so then let's keep talking (laughs) all right because 
you're touching on something I definitely want to I want to jump into, and then let's plan on doing a part two, uh, and, and just be ready to wrap it up when we run out of time here in three minutes. Okay. All right. Well, it might be a good time. To, well, so do you want to go ahead and do a part two now? Do you have time, or do we need to uh, talk again next? I do. Week? Okay. All right. Uh, so I'll go ahead. Stop. And, I'll stop this one and uh, start a new one. Okay. So then I will say stay tuned to next week, which is actually going to be about five minutes from now for us (laughs) for part two on self-control. Here we go.